Did the Republicans and Kevin McCarthy destroy the House of Representatives when they were fighting over who would be Speaker? I'll talk about it on episode 761 of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Like my Facebook page and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Those are all great places to catch the show. Also, go to brianmcclanahan.com. While you're at either place, whether you're on YouTube, click on the Super Thanks button. If you go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on the Support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way. Help support the show. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you love it. Leave it that five-star review. Leave the text review at Apple Podcasts or at Anchor.fm. You can also leave a review of each show. You can also become a member at Anchor.fm. You can give a monthly support to the show. So lots of great ways to support the show financially. Also, share the podcast around on social media and send me those show requests. I want to read what you want to hear. All right. Let's talk about the topic, and that would be what I mentioned at the beginning of the program. Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans. Now, this is coming about two weeks after the Republicans and Kevin McCarthy had it out in the House publicly. And this is what some people have had a problem with in Conservative Inc. When I say some people have had a problem with it, I'm talking about people like Sean Hannity and others who were worried that this was going to have a terrible impact on the perception of the Republican Party or other Conservative Inc. Uh, establishment thinkers who thought this was going to have a terrible impact on the perception of the Republican Party. And fueling some of that, of course, are people like Dana Milbank at the Washington Post, leftists who have said this is going to have a terrible impact on the Republican Party. I don't see it that way. Now, I know and I have, I have colleagues who are on the left and you know they're talking about how embarrassing this is for the House and how embarrassing this is for the United States. And Joe Biden has come out and said this is embarrassing. Uh, it's not a good look. You know, Donald Trump's not a good look. Why? This is the real question I think people need to... The response is, why? Why isn't it a good look? So what we want in America, according to your position, is we want to have everyone in lockstep agreeing to whatever the establishment wants so that we can just continue to go down the path of destruction. That's what we want. This is what you're asking. We want that. We want to have parties that are so tyrannical that people cannot dissent from the party line. This is what we want. That sounds a lot like the Politburo. (laughs) I mean, this is what we're asking the parties to be. We're asking them to be the Communist Politburo and the Soviet Union. You've got to be a party man. No deviation. No getting out of line. And publicly, this is what we have to do. Now, privately, we can have our disputes. But see, the thing is, there's nothing really ever private anymore. All of this stuff is broadcast on social media. You've got reporters around all the time. They're going to pick up on any kind of dissent or dissension within the parties. We know it happened with the Democrats. I mean, look, the squad was very public about their opposition to Nancy Pelosi. And for all the people that are out there saying, well, the Democrats take care of this behind closed doors. Does anyone remember just a few years back when Nancy Pelosi essentially threw the squad under the bus publicly and the squad had to respond to this and had several press conferences? The Democrats don't handle this in any other way. This is just plain stupidity on the Republican Party or the establishment Republicans to think that somehow this was detrimental to the party. In fact, I would say probably most people in the party, 
particularly conservatives, were applauding and cheering this kind of stuff. Now, uh, you've got uh, Mike Rogers lunging at Matt Gates, And look, Matt Gates is a weasel at times, but he's at least principled uh, to stand there and do what he did for all of those votes. And I said when this was going on, I'm not so certain how long this is going to last, or how, and you can never trust a Republican. But this did more to change the way business was done in the House, at least temporarily, than anything in the last, say, you know, 30 years. It really has. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. And you could say, well, what about the contract with America? Well, 1994, yes, the Newt Gingrich and the Republicans came in and made a lot of big promises and didn't do squat. And, and that's the thing. I mean, term limits, for example, were on the table in 1994 and 1995. After the 94 election and the Republicans took control of the Congress, this was part of the contract with America. They were, they were saying that they were going to have term limits. Never got done. This stuff is still on the table. This is what I'm saying about the Republican Party. You can never trust these people, but at least these 20 Republican holdouts were able to stand there and put pressure on the establishment to make some kind of concessions, and it would come down to cost the Speaker his job if he didn't do it. Now, you look at all the photos of Kevin McCarthy after this is over, and he looks like a dweeb. Second, we now have a Congress. That's the first thing. He's a dweeb. Second, we now have a Congress that's run by California and New York. Is that what the American public really wants? Do we want America to be governed by California and New York? Because you've got McCarthy from California and Schumer from New York. This is what we have, right? We have the two dominant roles in the Congress coming from California and New York. Or you could say that uh, you have uh, Kamala Harris as vice president, is pre president of the Senate. She's from California. So this is where we are. We've got California and New York, two of the worst states in the United States, running the United States government. Now, what about Joe Biden? Well, he's from Pennsylvania, nominally from Delaware. And of course, he, he said he you know is a Delaware guy, but he always claims he's from Pennsylvania. He never claims he's from Delaware. He always claims he's from Pennsylvania and a Western part of the state. And for a long time, Joe Biden considered himself to be kind of a Southern Democrat. But Biden has lost that a long time ago. And Biden just is happy to be president. He's happy to know where he is when he wakes up in the morning and uh, knows that he's in the White House. In fact, this is what he wanted his entire life. He just wants to be president, and he really doesn't care what goes on behind the scenes or underneath him. He just, what do you want me to do? Just tell me what to do. This is what I'm going to do, and I don't care about any of this other stuff anymore. Just call me president of the United States. That's Joe Biden. Uh, so this dust-up in the House was glorious. I watched every second of it that I could on C-SPAN. It was beautiful. And the fact that Matt Gates uh, nominated Donald Trump for the Speaker of the House was absolutely beautiful. I mean, I wish more Republicans had seized the moment and done something truly historic and truly outlandish and had Donald Trump become Speaker of the House. It would have been so funny. I don't think I could have stopped laughing for the next year. And particularly with all the tweeting and everything else that would have happened. I mean, Trump is going to have to go back on Twitter at some point. Um, he's he's going to have to do it if he wants to, uh, to run for president again. Uh, he's going to have to be back on the platform. And if he was in the Congress, it would have been glorious, beautiful for him to be there and uh, doing all the things that he does and calling out members of Congress. It would have been so funny. Um, I, I, I just, again, I wouldn't have stopped laughing for a year. But... You've got the Washington Post, people like Dana Milbank, who have now called out uh, Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans for destroying the House. 
destroying the house. The problem with this particular position is that these people don't really understand history in this particular way. Um, they don't understand the history of American politics and how violent and nasty and downright, uh, you know, uh, debased uh, the Congress has been over the years. Uh, and I'm going to point some of that stuff out. Now, we have this view of Congress now as, um, as sacred. This is actually, you have members of Congress calling the House of Representatives sacred. you got the President of the United States calling the Capitol sacred. I mean, when did Congress become a religion? Well, I mean, we know that Abraham Lincoln wanted it to be so in the 1830s. And we know that uh, as we've elevated government to the, to the position of religion in American society, we've got that general kind of sentiment about it. But it's not a sacred building. You could say it's an esteemed building. You could say it's a prominent building. But sacred? It's not a church or a temple. It's not a cathedral. It's a public building that people go in and rob the American public. I mean, this is what happens every single time. Uh, so, you know, this is calling it sacred is just absolutely ridiculous. But this is where we are in 2023, where people somehow believe that this particular building, this particular body of people is sacred. Now, you know who else did that? The Romans. Of course, the Romans elevated members of the government to statuses of gods. Well, I mean, is that what we really want to do in the United States? Are we really, are we, are we, are we really willing to elevate members of Congress to the status of gods. We've done it with Abraham Lincoln. We've done it with various presidents. Uh, Lincoln, you know, Washington was deified for a long time. Washington kind of deserved the accolades that he was given, though. Uh, there's no man that was better equipped to handle that kind of pressure in American history other than George Washington. But we've certainly elevated Abraham Lincoln, a man who was responsible for the death of a million Americans, to the, to the status of a demigod, which is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, but this is, this is what's happened in America with democracy and, of course, the way we think about the American government. So let me read this piece by Dana Milbank. It's absolutely hilarious. So he says, On the fourth of 14 failed attempts this week to elect Kevin McCarthy as speaker, Mike Gallagher complained that Democrats and the media were enjoying the House Republicans' meltdown too much. In some ways, they're salivating, the lawmaker complained in his speech, re-re-nominating McCarthy. The schadenfreude is palpable. No doubt some took pleasure in the Republicans' pain, but as a longtime reviewer of political theater, I found nothing enjoyable about this performance. This wasn't enjoyable at all. Dana Milbank is telling us how awful this was because this is a threat to democracy. Because, you know, the Washington Post says democracy dies in darkness. So, I mean, again, this is what um, I've heard from people on the left. Oh, did you see what Mike Rogers and his toupee did? Did you see that? Did you see he lunged at someone? Uh, and I'll get to Mike Rogers and, and the violence in the house in a second. But let's put that aside. The issue here with Dana Milbank is this is not fun. This is not good. It's not a good look for our Congress. He says, this is what happens when a political party, year after year, systemically destroys the norms and institutions of democracy. This is what happens when a political party does this. 
It's all the Republicans' fault. They're just obstructionists. They just want to tear things down. Well, I've talked about, I mentioned this with the squad and the MAGA Republicans. They're the same. The squad would do the exact same thing. The squad, even though they were lockstep behind Hakeem Jeffries, who gave the most ridiculous uh, you know, second speech in the history of the Congress. It was like watching you know, Sesame Street with Elmo. But who gave, I mean, the alphabet. It was just so stupid. But that's where we are. I mean, this is how stupid the, the Democrats and juvenile they really are. If you, That's what was on display in all of this. How unimpressive these people are. How stupid these people are. And how juvenile these people are. That's really what was on display when the uh, the voice vote was taken. You got Democrats jumping up and down like they were in kindergarten, trying to get the teacher to pay attention to them, waving their arms, making you know, noises, and the way that they would even give their votes. Anyone that grandstands like this should be immediately expelled for annoyance. I mean, you want to talk about degrading the House. Uh, we've gone from people in the House of Representatives like John C. Calhoun and Henry Clay and Daniel Webster... Uh, you know, Fisher, and we've gone from some of these people to, and James Madison to Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates and uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and Lauren Boebert and Hakeem Jeffries. This is what we've gotten to. It's an you want to talk about an embarrassment. This is the the byproduct of quote unquote democracy. He then says, this is what happens when those expert at tearing down things down are put in charge of governing. Those expert at tearing things down. Well, what did they actually tear down? I mean, you're allowed to have a vote, correct? You're allowed to, uh, to have a say in who's the speaker. You're allowed to voice your opinion if you're a member of Congress. What do they tear down? We still have a Speaker of the House. We still have a House of Representatives. Still have a governing body. All we did was just go about four days without the House being able to do anything. What exactly did they tear down? And what have the Republicans precisely torn down as in their time in governing? In fact, I can't point to one single thing that they've torn down when they've been in government. Not one thing. What have they dismantled? They haven't dismantled any government program. They haven't done anything. In fact, they've only expanded this stuff. What exactly have they torn down? This is what Dana Milbank would need to... But see, you can throw bombs like this from a column and make statements, and what did they actually do? This is a real serious question. And that, again, people should... When they say, oh, these people are just obstructionists, they're just tearing things down. Well, tell me what they've torn down. I mean, what did they do? Uh, why is this bad? Why? What's going on? Tell me why. You need to put the pressure back on the people making these ridiculous statements to explain what they mean. The dysfunction has been building over years of government shutdowns, debt default showdowns, and other fabricated crises, and now anti-government Republicans use their new majority to bring the House itself to a halt. So here is what they've... This is, this is where they've turned, torn stuff down. A government shutdown. <gasps> They actually shut down the government. And now, think about this. When the House, when the government, quote-unquote, shut down, payments still went out, people still got stuff, people still collected taxes, all that stuff still went on. In fact, the theater was on the side of the Democrats when that happened for closing off sidewalks. I mean, how stupid can you be? This is the Democrats, though. 
And are these things really fabricated crises? Is it a fabricated crisis to have uh, a debt default? A showdown over this. We're going to default on the debt. Well, does the United States government need to stop spending money? Absolutely. Are they running up a debt that can't be paid back? Absolutely. Is the debt causing inflation? Absolutely. So if you're interested in trying to restrain some of the negative consequences of you know, people spending like they've got no limit on the credit card, well, uh, and then not worrying about it and never paying it back, well, shouldn't the adults then be in charge of trying to put a stop to this? But not to Dana Milbank. This is people acting like a toddler. When In reality, the toddlers are the people that just spend like crazy. This is the teenagers with daddy's credit card, and they don't care. And bringing the house to a halt? Bringing the house to a halt? So what? For four days, we had a vote, and we couldn't do anything? So what? Everything still went on. Last time I checked, nothing really happened. And then he has this hyperbole. This is insurrection by other means. This is insurrection. Now, stopping the business of the House to elect a speaker is insurrection. These people are absolutely insane. They're psychopaths. You want to talk about the people that are really the psychopaths in America. It's people like Dana Milbank. This is insane to say this kind of stuff. And the fact that the Washington Post, which has no credibility anymore for being anything important, would publish this shows you where we are. Two years to the day since the January 6th invasion of the Capitol. Um, you mean when people open the doors, the police open the doors and let the people in and you had, uh, now I, I think what's going to happen. One thing I will say positive about the Republicans, there will be hearings and all this stuff. And I think that some things are going to come out of this that the Democrats and the establishment are going to be very uncomfortable about. And Dana Milbank and others are going to have to eat their words. It's just like what came out in the news as I'm recording this about a week early, it came out in the news uh, about Joe Biden and having classified documents at his vice presidential library. Uh, but there was no raid of Joe Biden's house or uh, no raid of the library. None of that happened. No theater for the FBI there. Nothing going on there. Uh, but no, uh, we have uh, the, the president, the vice president who doesn't, shouldn't have these kind of classified documents having classified documents. This is, this is ridiculous. I mean, this is where the double standard, of course, is apparent. We all know it. Uh, but now that the Democrats are out of power, maybe there can be, you know, it's like shining light on all the rats. We're going to look at all the corruption in Washington. The Republicans are very corrupt. So are the Democrats. In fact, you can make a case that Democrats are just as corrupt, if not more corrupt, than the Republicans. We're going to see the, the shine the light on, on Biden and, and his shady dealings, business dealings with his son. All of that's going to be exposed. Just like the Twitter files exposed a lot about the deep state and, of course, Democrat complicity and all of that and rigging the election in 2020. We know it happened. I mean, all the things that are coming out, we also know that uh, with the uh, COVID situation, all the stuff that happened with that. So there's a lot going on here with these things. Um, and we'll see what happens. We'll see the ultimate outcome of this. But at least the Republicans are going to have hearings and maybe some more information will come to light. Republicans are still attacking the functioning of government. Okay. 
the functioning of government. I mean, this is where these people worship it. Dana Milbank probably has uh, a temple to the U.S. Capitol in his house. I mean, he probably gets down on his knees and worships it every day and burns some incense and spreads some holy water on it. McCarthy opened the door to the chaos by excusing Donald Trump's fomenting of the attack and welcoming a new class of election deniers to his caucus. Now he's trying to save his own political ambitions by agreeing to institutionalize the chaos, not just for the next two years, but for the future Congresses as well. Institutionalize the chaos. Yeah. Um, chaos would be not agreeing with the direction of the Congress, that members of Congress can actually have a role in this. I mean, not getting in line with the Politburo. This is chaos to people like Dana Milbank. I mean, to communists like Milbank, it would be, right? You, you got to, I mean, I'm surprised that, you know, Milbank hasn't started spouting off the uh, Soviet national anthem here. On Thursday, the day McCarthy failed on the 11th consecutive ballot to secure the speakership, he formally surrendered to the 21 GOP extremists denying him the job. He agreed to allow any member of the House to force a vote that at will to vacate his speakership, essentially agreeing to be a perma in permanent jeopardy of losing his job. Oh my gosh, the horror. The Speaker of the House in permanent jeopardy of losing his job for not doing it well? I mean, this is horror. How dare these people want to actually go out and ensure that the leadership is actually doing what they say they're supposed to do? Oh my gosh. In what other world do people have permanent job security? <laughs> I mean, this is just stupid. He agreed to put rebels on the rules committee. Rebels. This is just like Robert E. Lee. You see, what really happened here to Dana Milbank is that, secretly, what Kevin McCarthy did is allow Robert E. Lee, Jefferson Davis, Stonewall Jackson, and Alexander Stevens into the Congress. That's what happened. These are rebels. Rebels. This is what happened, ladies and gentlemen. We have rebels now in the Congress. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Giving them sway over what gets a vote on the House floor and in key committee leadership posts. This is beautiful. I mean, again, I talked about block voting and what can be done. This is exactly what blocks have to do. These 20 people should stick together and they should control the Congress. It will be gorgeous. I mean, there's nothing that would be bad about this at all. And... The Democrats, if they are a Politburo-like and just stay lockstep, these 20 people could sway the House every single time. They could control what happens in the House on every single vote. This would be absolutely beautiful. It's exactly what should be happening. You should get a block of people, the squad has it, and when the left is there, they could control, if the Democrats are in the majority and the Republicans vote lockstep, that left, that squad, could do the exact same thing. I mean, there's nothing illegal about it. This is what blocks can do. He agreed to unlimited amendments of spending bills, inviting two years of mayhem. He agreed to other changes that make future government shutdowns and a default on the national debt more likely, if not probable. What an odd endorsement of the 21 people, right? What an odd endorsement of these people. To actually make the House do what it's supposed to do. Which is, look, we're supposed to know what's in the bill before you vote on it. Oh my gosh. 
uh, what's, I mean, that's sacrilege to actually know what's in the bill. One of the things the Confederate State Constitution did, Confederate States Constitution, was make every bill essentially an earmark. You voted on every individual bill, and this is what these people did. They created it to where you can't have omnibus bills. we got to vote on all this stuff. That is beautiful. It is going to create gridlock in Congress. The Senate, all this stuff is a no-go for the Senate. So if these 20 people will hold the line, we're going to have two years of nothing getting done. And it's going to be just tremendous. And then uh, the Republicans can go back to their districts and they can say, look, we tried. The Senate, the, the Democrats didn't want common sense reform. They didn't want common sense reform on the border. They didn't want common sense spending reform. They wanted to spend us into oblivion. They wanted to tax us into oblivion, whatever it is. And if they show the corruption of the Democrats, they can point all this stuff out. Now, the Democrats do have a secret weapon. They have the Post. They have the New York Times. They have the establishment media. They have not just left, but also right. You're going to have a lot of people on the right that are going to get frustrated with this because it makes us look bad, when in fact, it makes them look great. This is the thing they don't realize. It makes them look great. Perhaps worst of all, the McCarthy-aligned super PAC, the conservative leadership fund, agreed that it would no longer work against far-right extremists in the vast majority of Republican primaries, a move sure to increase the number of bomb throwers in Congress. This is, wor this is the worst thing that came out of this for Dana Milbank, that the Republican Party decided it would no longer try to work against real democracy. Remember, Milbank said this is a attack on democracy. So what he's actually advocating here is the opposite of, an, of that. He's supporting anti-democracy with the super PAC working against democracy. This is where these people are this stupid. This is what he's saying. Essentially, McCarthy placated the crazies in his caucus by giving up every tool he or anybody had to maintain order in the House. Following the 15th ballot early Saturday morning, McCarthy's abject surrender secured him a speakership at least temporarily, but it was the most pyrrhic of victories. To save himself, he sacrificed the Congress itself. I mean, what kind of hyperbole, what kind of nonsense, stupid hyperbole is this? The saboteurs won. How? Explain to me how. There's, there's nothing here that seems to be bad. Not, not one thing that I've found so far this bad. Yes, the Republicans televised self-inflicted debacle is gripping, in the train wreck sense, as spectacles go, you'd have to look back more than 160 years to find a comparable failure to elect a speaker. So what? So what? You have to go back 160 years to find another event. And this, you know what that was all about? Slavery. You see, the Republicans really are the party of slavery because you got to go back to when slavery was the main issue to find a bunch of Rabble-rousers like these people. Again, the, the imagery that they're going here, going for here is Republicans equal slavery. This is what they're doing. As spectacles go, I said, this week Republicans referred to one another as the Taliban and terrorists and hostage-takers. They traded obscenities in a caucus meeting. Oh my gosh, they actually cussed at each other. <gasps> Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Democrats cussing at Stalin? I mean, or Lenin? The Democrats don't do this stuff. The Democrats and the Politburo get in line. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Democrats stepping outside of the party? Well, 
You just don't do that if you're a good citizen, good communist. Forward. One of the anti-McCarthy Republicans, Matt Gates of Florida, publicly called McCarthy a squatter for prematurely occupying the Speaker's Capitol office. Well, he's right. McCarthy hadn't been elected. Why was he in the office? Nobody had been elected yet. McCarthy wasn't secured the vote, wasn't insured, hadn't secured the vote, wasn't insured of the vote. Well, I mean, why should he have the position? Now, if you could say this is a done deal, and this is all for theater, et cetera, et cetera, well, we don't know that. I mean, Gates certainly wasn't going to vote for him. So why would McCarthy have a position that he really shouldn't have had yet? In an appalling scene on the House floor Friday night, Mike Rogers, the incoming chairman of the Armed Services Committee, which, by the way, is um, a bad move. Mike Rogers, and if you look at the naming commission all that, Mike Rogers was part of all that process. Mike Rogers could have voted against that stuff, but he didn't. Mike Rogers is an embarrassment with his toupee. Lunged at holdout gates and had to be pulled away. Nearby was Nancy Mace, who conveyed her respect for the institution by voting with her dog in her arms. Now, this is funny to me. If you've, there is a book, now it's, it's by, I think it's by Joanne Freeman. There, Freeman, there will be blood. Now, Freeman is a lefties, leftist historian. She's awful. But this book is interesting because it does expose the violence of Congress. We've had duels. We've had people pull pistols on the House floor. We've had people get caned on the floor of the Senate. And John Randolph of Roanoke famously brought his dogs to Congress all the time. So this is the, this is the thing about these people, Milbank and others. The perception of decorum is based on a false image of what the Congress is. An appalling scene. It's, you lied. I mean, oh my gosh, somebody had the, the audacity to speak out against Stalin. To say something about the Politburo. It's just stupid. On the House floor Thursday, Dan Bishop, a white man from the South, accused Cory Bush, a black Democrat, of grotesquely racist rhetoric. Well, can, can that not be the case? I mean, can, it, can that not be the case? See, this is, again, Milbank is playing on all these stupid leftist platitudes. Cannot, can somebody of a different race not say something that's racist? According to the left, you can't. But of course you can. The day before, Kat Kamek insinuated groundlessly in her speech, re-re-re-re-nominating McCarthy, that Democrats were drunk on the job. Democrats howled for a words to be struck from the record, but because there was no speaker, there was nothing to be done. There are no rules, McCarthy said from his seat on the floor. Well, that's beautiful. I mean, so what? Again, um, this is... The the uh, the perception, no rules, no rules, no functioning, and essentially no house. Oh my gosh. The horror of it all. The elected members of Congress cannot be sworn in, although the office of New York Republican George Santos, who fabricated much of his life story, erroneously issued a news release stating that he'd been sworn in. Bills can't be introduced. Beautiful. Committee memberships and uh, chairmanships can't be assigned, and staff can't be hired. Oh no. Newly elected lawmakers can't access emails or office supplies. <laughs> this, this isn't the piece. They can't access office supplies. I mean, can they not go to the office depot and pick up some pens? Maybe a legal pad? They can't do that. They can't go down the street. You, you go the, I mean, you can't go to the CVS and grab a couple of, you know, pack of pens or something. Can't get office supplies. Can't do that. 
This is just silly. Um, House Republican Conference Chair Elise Stanefek even called off her colleagues feeding. Feeding. Sounds like they're eating at the trough. Due to the House adjourning, there will be not be pizza and salads tonight, announced an email from her office Tuesday evening. Oh my gosh. No pizza and salad. Um, so what? This is Dana Milbank saying this is dysfunction. That these people, did they not, did they starve then? Did all these people starve? I mean, it didn't look like anybody was starving. They're all having a good time. Maybe they had to pay for this stuff out of their own pocket. I mean, of the horror of it all, right? You had to go and get your own food. Again, I'm sure there are plenty of places to eat around there. I'm sure there's DoorDash ready to go. Bring them a sub or something. This is just silly. But sabotaging government is no joke. The incoming Republican chairman of the Armed Services, Foreign Affairs, and Intelligence Committees warned that the standoff could place the safety and security of the United States at risk. Even House Chaplain Margaret Kibben sounded the alarm. And th- I watched this. Her, her, uh, her prayers at the beginning were just absolutely ridiculous. Um, these things were embarrassing. Uh, here is, protect us at this imbroglio of indecision. We do not expose ourselves to the incursion of our adversary. She prayed to start a Thursday session. Watch over the seeming discontinuity of our governance and the perceived vulnerability of our national security. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, if, if somebody attacked, we wouldn't have any way to respond. I mean, how stupid do people... I, mean, I, I know they, people in America, common, you know, the, the common voter, really is not that... They're low-information voters. They really aren't that well-informed. But they, they really think people are stupid. For this kind of stuff. I mean, people should have laughed at this prayer instead of bowing their heads and, oh, yeah. They should have laughed out loud at this nonsense because that's what it was. There was only one upside to the anarchy. The government no longer controlled the TV cameras in the House chamber. So think about this. Dana Milbank is complaining about uh, chaos and that all these people, I mean, there's all this chaos going on, but there's a benefit to this because government no longer controlled something. So what you've just done is said that government not controlling something is a good thing while you're arguing that needed to have all of this stuff going on to make sure there was continuity and lockstep. I mean, think about that. Think about the, the, uh, the discontinuity in his own thought there. I mean, the disconnect in that. Americans at home could watch leaders huddling with rebels, far-right Gates conferring with far-left Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the serial fabricator Santos sitting alone, discreetly picking his nose. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so uh, we could actually see Congress, you know, talking? Silly. Outside the House chamber corridor, smelling of cigar smoke and body odor became scenes of mayhem. As I and other reporters chased McCarthy on Wednesday night from the floor to his office, we knocked aside... Michael McCall, incoming chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee, during a live interview with Fox News. Inside the chamber, lawmakers shouted at the House clerk, the only authority that exists in the leaderless House, as she struggled to maintain order. <gasps> oh, no. We knocked these people over. I mean, this over this place stunk. It smelled like cigars and B.O. People were picking their nose. I mean, how chaotic. <laughs> we knocked over somebody doing an interview. Oh my gosh, we're chasing somebody down. Well, then maybe don't chase them. The new majority couldn't even manage the most routine business without chaos. A GOP attempt to adjourn Wednesday night nearly failed as lawmakers sprinted in the chamber to vote after time had expired. 
Thursday morning, Republicans celebrated their two-vote margin on the adjournment. Yesterday, we experienced very briefly our first win, John James said in his speech, re 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 nominating McCarthy. It was a small victory, but didn't it feel good? We've been working hard for that victory. Not many would call it a win to adjourn the House after failing for the sixth time to elect a Speaker. But even that minor victory was short-lived. On Thursday, Republicans held vote after vote in the fruitless attempt to elect McCarthy, the reason it took them eight hours to corral enough votes to adjourn. Again, this is what's supposed to happen. This is what's supposed to happen. It's, this is just the silliness of all of this stuff. Now, the rest of the piece is more of this stupid nonsense. I'm not going to finish this out. But you're getting the point here. What's happening with the media is that they think this is a disaster for democracy, yet there's so much contradiction in their own, in their own uh, piece. They're worried about democracy, but want people to vote in lockstep because democracy. They're worried about democracy, but don't like it when um, you can't spend money to silence real democracy. Uh, they're worried about you know government um, not being... Uh, not having rules, uh, but yet not having rules allowed them to do things that they could not see normally. So, I mean, this is how stupid people like Dana Milbank are. And it's why all these pieces, all this stuff, you need to ask the questions, well, what have they really obstructed? Uh, what have they really ever th- uh, done to do away with anything? Um, where? Show me the evidence. Why is this bad? Is this not what the House should be doing every single time? and electing leadership, Republicans and Democrats. Should we not do this all the time? But of course, that would be uh, that would be against their religion, and that would be one-party establishment rule. I'll see you tomorrow on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.